This is your Olympic hero and former WWE champion, Kurt Angle. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my guys, Clint and Noah. When it comes to covering sports, there is no one better. And believe me, that's true. It's damn true. Gentlemen, you are the top 1%. The elite. Best of the best. You are now listening to the Elite Sports Podcast, brought to you by Vermeil Wines and powered by GASN Sports, the pinnacle of hard-hitting sports talk, featuring weekly expert analysis and top-notch interviews. And now, please welcome your hosts, Noah Groniger and Clint Schweitzer. Welcome to the Elite, or I guess in this case, it is going to be the Chiefs-Bengals AFC Championship game group therapy session, as I'm going to call it, because we recorded a show earlier in the week with our good friends Donnell Bennett and uh, Kim Landers, two former Chief players that we've been doing a show uh, this year called 4-Minute Offense, which uh, airs live on Wednesday nights. We did our last show uh, this week, and I thought that that would be a perfect thing to put in here for this podcast because you could have Noah and I sit here and dissect the Chiefs' crippling, jaw-dropping, soul-crushing loss to the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday at Arrowhead that would have sent the Chiefs to their third straight Super Bowl. We could have sat there and, you know, and broken it down and talked about Andy Reid's uh, sort of inability to manage the game at the end of the first half, letting Patrick Mahomes coach the team, throw a ball uh, into the field of play instead of into the end zone, um, as time was expiring and instead of just kicking a field goal to go up 14, we could talk about the end of the game and how the Chiefs were really panicked and not trying to score too early on, on their last possession and wound up settling for three after Patrick Mahomes dropped back, froze up, got sacked for an 18-yard loss and a fumble that almost cost the Chiefs the game right then and there. But, you know, we'd really be just kind of going over things that we've already heard all week, right? That's what you've heard time and time and again since uh, Sunday night when it happened. In this group therapy session that we're going to play for you here, this is going to get really into the weeds of, of this and kind of the bigger picture, kind of looking at the Chiefs and the AFC on a macro level and what this loss for Kansas City meant and where this puts them in the AFC pecking order, especially if the Cincinnati Bengals are able to go to Los Angeles to Super Bowl 56 and claim victory. We're going to get into all of that and much more. We're also welcoming... Uh, two good friends of ours, and uh, and Shaggy Shane Williams from Shaggy Shane Entertainment. Great Chiefs fan, great friend of ours, has a tremendous YouTube channel. Uh, Shaggy Shane, just look him up. He's one of the best, one of the best Chiefs fans to follow after a, after a game. He's going to break it down for you, and he's just tremendous. And also our good friend Brian B. Shinen from Hot 103.3 Jams here in Kansas City. He's going to be joining in on this, along with Kim Blanders and Donnell Bennett. So you're going to get a lot of different perspectives here. You're going to get a fan's perspective, you're going to get a player's perspective, and you're going to kind of hear me specifically kind of go through the process of grief all within a 45-minute sit-down here with some great former Chiefs legends and, of course, my co-host and great friend Noah Groniger and then Brian and Shane, two tremendous Chiefs fans as well. So hope you guys will enjoy this, kind of doing things a little differently here on the podcast this week. So hope you enjoy the uh, the four-minute offense segment, as we call it, when we do the show live on StreamYard every Wednesday. Of course, that's coming to an end now, guys. As we sit right now, we are getting ready to head to L.A. for the Super Bowl. So not only 
Do we have to kind of deal with this uh, soul-crushing Chiefs loss? Now we get to go to the Super Bowl next week for Radio Row, which we will be there live. If you're going to be down there, hit us up. We'd love to have you on the show and bring you on for an interview. We're going to be down there covering Bengals and Rams when this all along looked like it was going to be a slam dunk. It looked like Chiefs. Uh, the, you know, We didn't know, of course, in the early game that uh, who their opponent would be later on, but the Chiefs with a 21-3 lead, it looked like we were coming down here to cover our Chiefs, the team that we grew up watching, the team that made us the sports fans that we are today and all the shows that we've done and interviews with guys like Carl Peterson, who used to be the GM. We've had Dick Vermeil on our podcast several times um, here in the past. You know, we do the show with Kimball and Donnell. We've had Andre Risen on, Marcus Allen, people that hearken us back to our glory days growing up as Chiefs fans in the 90s. Come all the way full circle to the fact being in the media doing this podcast, having our media brand, Starcade Media, represented at the Super Bowl with our favorite team, 21 to 3 and a half of football away and an 18 point lead away from joining us in Los Angeles. And my, what a situation that would have been. It was not to be, but we'll be heading down to LA next week. So hopefully we'll be getting some tremendous content out there for you guys. So please um, stay tuned on our, our website, uh, starcademedia.com, and follow us on our sh- social medias, uh, Starcade Media, and um, certainly our podcast, Elite Sports Podcast, there on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So without further ado, I want to take you to this group therapy session. It's the four-minute offense, and it's coming up right after this. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on their team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code ELITE, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code ELITE at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. Welcome in to 4-Minute Offense, everybody. <laughs> brought to you, not brought to you, I should say, by Andy Reid, as he doesn't believe in a 4-Minute Offense or a run game, but I'm Noah Groniger, alongside Clint Schweitzer, <laughs> Our great Chiefs fans over here, Shane Williams of Shaggy Shane Entertainment, Brian B. Shine and Hot 103 Jams, The Morning Grind with Shane and Shine, Narman, the star of the show down there, Kimball Anders, Donnell Bennett will be joining us soon. Gentlemen, it was a tough AFC Championship game loss. Looked like it was everything turning up roses. It was golden. We're going to Super Bowl 56, 21 to 3. And then the wheels fell off, gentlemen. Clint, I got to go to you first. What are your thoughts, man, after that tough AFC Championship loss? Well, the wrong person to kick it to because, Noah, since Sunday (laughs) evening, I'll tell you what, I haven't tasted food, and it's not because I have COVID-19. I Every song on the radio sounds like it's Creed or Limp Biscuit to me. 
things just it, it's just like the world is out of cosmic order shane i know you're like me you look at things at kind of a metaphysical kind of kind of at a macro level the nfl and you you do a great job relating things and situations and people and to me this has to do with the chief's legacy and the, specifically the legacy of the, the the core group of players that we have on this team that won Super Bowl 54 and that has been to four straight AFC championship games. I think that because of what has taken place, this knocks the Chiefs down a peg. And going forward, guys, there are so many capable quarterbacks, Shane, in the AFC that the Chiefs are going to have to get back in line and reshuffle the deck. And uh, from going from here, it's just going to be kind of a crapshoot. And I know Andy Reid and this franchise can get back on back and, and can certainly – uh, you know, get back to where we've been, but man, it, it's a, it's a killer. It's a bummer. No and I are heading to the Super Bowl next week and we're doing it without the Kansas city chief Shane. I'm bummed buddy. We all are. We're all feeling it. Every single one of us, all of Chiefs kingdom, you know, as you talk about next year, we'll talk about next year later on, but specifically to the quarterbacks that the chiefs will be up against now, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid will still be in the mix, but they no longer will be the favorite. It sucks to say that. It pains me because I've been on the Patrick Mahomes train before he was drafted by the Chiefs. Uh, he's He deserves all the accolades, but something happened to him in the second half that we can't quite put a finger on that needs to be dissected and analyzed. And to this day, um, I three days later, I still don't know what happened to him on a third and goal to nine with 39 seconds left. You have Travis Kelsey breaking free. Instead, you decide with having all time in the pocket to take an 18-yard loss and fumble the football. Uh, championship quarterbacks don't do that. Hall of Fame quarterbacks don't do that, but Patrick Mahomes will be in the Hall of Fame. But still, there's something that needs to be dissected and questioned, and it's painful. What do you say, Kimball? Hey, you know, it, it, you know it's football. That's that's one thing I was saying. He made some, uh, some not-so-small mistakes, you know what I mean? Um, that's something like you say, a championship caliber quarterback gonna make those mistakes because most of the time, you know, at that particular time of the game, it's all he had to do is get rid of quick and had, you know, things to do. But he chose to run around and go back to what he did early in the season, which hurt us during that time of the season. So, uh, and it's hard to ever say what's on his mind. You know, we'll never be able to pinpoint exactly what happened besides we lost. Um, that's just a game. That's how the game is played, you know, and, and trust me, I feel uh, that they went out there and played their best game, but that second half was offering right before the, the the second half of the end of the, the first half. The way it ended, it was not that was not cheap football. It wasn't good football at all. Right. Yeah, Donnell, what did you see? You were at the game. I mean, they went away from the run that was working so well for them in the second half. They're dropping eight guys. I mean, Sam Hubbard, the defensive end, was dropping back. That gave them eight guys, only rushing three, and they just would not run the football. Well, you know, I mean, we, we've been throwing the football all year, so it's easy for us to sit up here and say, yeah, you should have ran the ball, you should have ran the ball. You know, I, I think it just boils down to, you know, all year long, Pat's been used to making those plays and and, and scrambling and buying time and doing things uh, to l allow people to get open down the field, and it just didn't work out for us in this game. I mean, it's when it worked, Everybody was celebrating him and saying he's a playmaker. You know, I, I've always been in the, the better quarterbacks, in my opinion, and I'm not knocking my boy Patty in no way, shape, or form. But, you know, receivers and running backs, those guys make plays. It's your job to just get the ball in one of their hands and let them make the play. And he's, But he's been making plays for us in the, in the past, and we done celebrated and jumped up and down. So I ain't, I'm not discrediting him at all. You know, I just think that, you know, at some time during the game, like you just got to sit in the pocket and be a quarterback and be content with allowing 
the tight end or the running back, the number two running back to catch the ball and go make a play for you. I just think, you know, he's he's used to that. He's a playmaker. That's that's who he is as a quarterback. That's what we love. And you, you, you same thing, make you laugh, make you cry. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, Brian, I I know, I I'm not mad at him at all, man. And Brian, I know you have a thought on the run game is you've been propping that up for the Chiefs to go to that more, especially with uh, Jarek McKinnon, even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who is kind of in the doghouse from time to time here in Chiefs kingdom with the fan base. He was running the ball well, I believe over 5.6 for McKinnon, six yards a clip for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They didn't go to the run game. The Bengals were dropping eight. It was right there for the taking, and the Chiefs wouldn't do it. Man, this offseason, we went and we and we got these linemen, right? And uh, yeah, to protect Pat, but the strength of this line is is running the ball. Look at Orlando Brown. You got the three monsters in the middle, and you don't use them. You got soldiers, but you don't use them. And it was so frustrating, man, to see to be at the game and to see the Bengals just drop back. Jesse Bates, his first two or three steps is back, back, back. Why? You know they're protecting the pass. And 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 the run was there all day. McKinnon was getting four yards a pop. You you just said Clyde was looking good. It, 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 the the sequence in the second half would always be first down, run, get four yards. Pat would pass. Either it would be an incomplete pass or interception or whatever. Third down, if we got to third down, another incomplete pass, punt. It was the same exact thing that it was in the first game. And that was so frustrating. It was like the Chiefs did not go back and learn their lesson from what was going on. So uh, just I think we lost that game in the headset as bad as Patrick played, he, and, he, and he played bad because I want to go back to his decision to not throw it to Demarcus Robinson at the end of the first half. Uh, I know that was probably a design play to go to Tyreek on that left side, but if he had waited just a, a little bit more and he had threw it to Demarcus Robinson, he would have popped wide open because there were two guys on Tyreek Hill. Um a lot of decisions that was made that was questionable, but I think we lost that game in the headset. That's interesting. And Shane, I want to kind of go to you on this because, you know, we've seen three different times, uh, you know, Andy Reid now has has blown an 18-point uh, lead in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, people, people, I think, unfairly will say Andy Reid's not, not a great big game coach. He blunders these games away. He went to four straight NFC title games in, in Philadelphia and didn't win a Super Bowl. We've been – you know, one Super Bowl here after these four uh, great seasons. But to me, Shane, I think it's a bit unfair because we, to be a great, a, a bad big game coach, you've got to get in a lot of big games, which Andy Reid always is. We don't know what kind of big game coach, you know, uh, you know, Vic Fangio is. Do we know what kind of a big game coach, you know, Mike Zimmer was in Minnesota? Uh, we sure don't because they're not in them. Andy Reid right. has uh, set kind of a gold standard here in the in the AFC for the Kansas City Chiefs. These losses are frustrating. This is crippling in a lot of ways, to, you know, on, on, a, on a larger scale. But is, are we are we being unfair with Andy Reid in the way that he managed this game, or or is this is this criticism, you know, pretty justifiable here? The it, you could say either way. Andy Reid's going to get it out because of who he is and everything he's accomplished, especially since he's had Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we've played four straight AFC championship games at home. That That's something I prayed for when I was a Kansas City Chiefs season ticket holder from 1991 through 2011. So Andy Reid deserves that. But Patrick Mahomes put him over the top to get to those four straight AFC championship games because Alex Smith didn't play in any the first five years that Andy Reid was the head coach. So I think that 
Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are, are a team now, which is I, I wrote in my article today about Dan Reno and Don Shula. Yeah. The, the question I have is, like Don Shula and uh, Dan Reno, they only played in three AFC championship games and one Super Bowl, and they lost them. And they lost the only Super Bowl. So tomorrow's not – there's no promise in tomorrow. There's no it's, – it's, we can't just say, oh, we're going to be back in the AFC championship game next year because we have the last four. That's not guaranteed. Uh, could they? Sure. But as for Andy Reid, he definitely does deserve the criticism. Uh, this criticism because he should have ran the ball more second goal at the four. I would rather have McKinnon run up the middle for a few yards, keep milking the clock because you set yourself up for third and goal at the one or two and you're taking that clock down because the Bengals already used their last time out. So yes, Andy Reid definitely does deserve mm. some criticism for this game last Sunday. Shane said that Romeo Cornell, Matt Castle will not get my season ticket money <laughs> in 2012. <laughs> I mean, come on! That team was predicted to go at least eight, eight or nine and seven with Peyton with Peyton Hillis. Yeah, I mean, we went to fourteen and broke the whole thing down. But hey, and burned 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 down the kingdom after that one. But uh, uh, Kimball, from a, from a player's perspective here, I, we've talked about it at nauseum throughout this season from from you and Donnell about those those playoff losses in ninety five and ninety seven. You know, we've, we had Marcus Allen on this show talking about crying in the locker room and what that was like. From a player's perspective, when you get that taste of success and you fall just short, man, how difficult is it to rebound and just know that you're going right back to the grind and you got to get it in next year? And now you got you got 17 games. It's a longer season. It's a longer grind than it ever was. How difficult is that for these players? Well, it's very difficult. It's something that you got to live with, you know, because – like, you know, I said from being a Kansas City Chiefs back in the 90s, Super Bowl is the most important thing that we wanted to do. And we never got that opportunity to get there. And those losses was very devastating to us. And, you know, you can say next year, next year, but next year will never be the same. You never know what's going to happen next year. It's And right now the lead is changing so much. It's like I say, it's the parity has – you can see it now because the Bengals was, what, four and something last year? And, they, and now they're going to the Super Bowl. So uh, at this point, you know, the time is now. You, you got to seize that moment, and you feel truly, truly bad when you don't seize that moment, and, and they just didn't do it. So, uh, you know, they're going to go back to the drawing boards and put up some other stuff, and, you know, with the game plan, and, and all that stuff is great until you play the game, you know. Everything can look good on the field, I mean, in the classroom and, you know, on the practice session and all that stuff, but you just got to go out there and execute, and we just didn't do it. Donnell, I want to ask you about kind of the, the mentality of the team, a player's mentality. At the end of the first half, the Chiefs have a chance to go up 14 or 18. They bungle that. Patrick Mahomes wants to go for it. Andy Reid sends into play. Andy said he sent in a bad play because it left Tyreek in the open field. And that's where Patrick Mahomes went, and he gets tackled. And they wind up with an 11-point lead, the same thing as Week 17. Sideline reporters were mentioning, hey, this is the same deficit that the Bengals were down in Week 17. They said after the game, the Bengals were talking about it. Zach Taylor was talking about it, the head coach. You know that had to be on the Chiefs' mind as well, and everything crumbled in the second half. Do you think that played into their mentality and that crumble in the second half? Uh, it's tough to say, man. I mean, Kimball and myself, I mean, we, we've always been under the, the, the verbiage of, you know, coaches coach the game and players win the game. I, you know, like I said, Patrick Mahomes is a playmaker type quarterback. Like he, he lives to make plays. And that's, I mean, we celebrated that uh, two weeks ago against Buffalo when he was running around buying time, throwing the ball in the flats to, to Travis Kelsey. 
like he tried those same things today. But, you know, I also think players make plays, coach, coach, and the coaches coach. So we just we just didn't make the plays on that particular play. Like if Tyreek Hill gets in the end zone, that's the best play call we've ever seen. I just know that's the case, but he didn't get there. So the first thing we're going to do is try to find fault and blame and say who called that and it shouldn't have been called. I'm not saying that I agree with the call, but like it's been some calls that I didn't agree with where we made the plays and it was all good. And we we jumping up and down and and hooping and hollering and all that other stuff, man. I, I just, you know, that's the nature of the game. You know, against Buffalo, we were on the winning side of the coin against mm-hmm. Cincinnati, we just happened to be on the lose. I mean, everybody played their heart out. We it was some mistakes made, don't get me wrong, but those mistakes were made with people trying to make plays. If it wasn't that, then it's it's you know lack of effort and all that other stuff. Yeah, it, now you need to point fingers and say we need to make some some changes or whatever. But at this point, just like you say, we need to just regroup, forget about what happened. That play's gone. You can't do nothing about it or whatever. Let's move on to the next one and let, let's not allow the same stuff to beat us two times in a row. Yeah. You know, um, when you when you just thinking about where how far, like what Kimball was talking about with you know you never know what you're going to be next year from this. Two years ago today, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Three three months later, the Bengals drafted first, and the Chiefs drafted last. Eighteen months since that draft, look what happened. The Bengals with that first number one, number one overall pick in 2020 beat the world champion. The you know what I mean? Look, draft one to the Pick 32. That's how much the NFL changes next year. Is, is the Jaguars going to be in the AFC Championship game next year? I don't know, but look how far the Bengals came. That's how much NFL can change in a year. That's very, very, very true, and that's kind of what I'm going to go. Brian, I'm going to go to you on this one because I, it's taken me until probably today to start thinking about next season and roster moves, and trust me, that stuff was not at the forefront of my mind at all. For a couple days, but as we look at things and the Honey Badger, things kind of seem to be pointing in the direction of him leaving. He sort of pinned a bit of a strange farewell to the to the Chiefs Kingdom, and we don't know what that's going to look like. We know the salary cap issues. You know you're going to have to replace some talent. We know we're going to and the Chiefs under Andy Reid have picked no no lower than what twenty. Uh, well, we picked first overall when he got here, and since then I think twenty third is the highest we you know that the Chiefs have picked. So. What do, what do you look to? How do you improve this team? How do you get back next year? Because every single season in these drafts, those last three or four years, teams like Shane said, they're loading up. They've, they're getting younger. They're getting co- young offensive mind head coaches in a lot of these AFC cities. They're getting their, their quarterbacks are, are, you know, on their hip, ready to go. And the Chiefs are going to have, you know, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, man. So how do the Chiefs stand, not only get back to where we were into a Super Bowl, but stay with the pact here? I think two things come to mind. Number one, I think a defensive overhaul is probably on deck. Uh, but the other thing I want to point to is we need a third option. <laughs> yeah. It was it was the, the third option was absent uh, uh, Sunday uh, during that AFC championship game. I think Pringle is who he is. He's a great player. Don't think he's a two or three at this point. Demarcus Robinson, we know what he does. He runs backwards. <laughs> We've seen this story with him before. 
Um, so I think uh, the, the McCole Harmon, where does he stand? To me, in my opinion, a, a perfect gadget player for this offense. But does he see yeah. himself as something more than that? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, so I think the Chiefs are going to be in the wide receiver market this offseason heavy either. I think both drafting and getting a, a, a solid number two target. Now the defense overhaul I was pointing to, I hate to see 32 go. I love his tenacity. I love his leadership. I love everything that he brings to this team. You can tell that those guys depend on him, uh, the whole team. You can tell that Patrick kind of depends on him to get the defense together while he's trying to get the offense together. But – uh, there are, I mean, look, there is some tough decisions that got to be made. Yeah. And are, do you want to give that man uh, a big contract at, you know, at the age with the injuries and all that other stuff? Um, not sure about that. I would love to. I think I will point to doing that. But I think realistically, I'm not sure if that's where Brett Veach wants to go. Hitchens. Yeah, what is it? What does this future look like? Hopefully, not in red, white, and gold. 56. Hopefully he's gone. <laughs> 49. Hopefully we've seen the last of the back of his jersey because we've been seeing the back of his jersey all season long. Um, so, you know, I think we got – there are some several spots we got to get younger at, including linebacker. Um, I, I think a couple of those defensive linemen, Jaron Reed, he posted his goodbye today. You saw that. I think a defense overhaul is necessary. Not not sure about the coaching change in defense. I would like to see somebody younger in there. Although I think Spags is a is a hell of a coordinator, but uh, I think a defense overhaul is necessary. Spags is a hell of a I, defensive I, I coordinator. A yeah, go ahead, Dono. So so like, I, and I'm I, I just I mean I know Kimball and I may look at the game a little differently, but like. You know, you named about six dudes on the defense that that were not up to par or sub substandard to to our liking or your liking or whatever. Like, so for us to make it from the defense really played horrible in the first four games, then to get those same eleven people, like we didn't add anybody, we didn't add anybody, but to get them to play good enough to play into the NFC, the AFC Championship game, like. Something had to change. Like, it had to be some styles of defenses. I mean, the obvious thing is we weren't necessarily playing teams that had high dominant running backs or bigger backs or whatever, and it, it might have made a little different. But, like, I, I think defensive coaching-wise, like, we did a, a good job with taking the people that we had and putting them in position – and allowing them to make plays to, to, to get us back into the AFC Championship game. Like, I don't know. Like, that game against the Bengals a couple of weeks ago, Jamar Chase or whatever his name, he killed us because yeah. we said we're going to single cover him and see if we can, we're can. we good enough to make the 50-50 balls. We lost. We didn't do that in the yeah. last game. But, yeah. you know, and I'm not, I'm not pointing at any one individual person or whatever you want to call it, but – like on two key third downs, we didn't come up with the sack and we had him. Yeah. Then the well, screenplay. I, I, I want to say that I, in the third quarter, in the screenplay, like I, I'm not pointing out any of it. Like it was some people that I feel could have hustled some more to get to that guy. Maybe not stop him from scoring, but, you know, tackle him at the three yard line. And who knows what will happen from then. Like in, I, I'm always going to say the players got to make plays and the coaches got to coach. I'm always going to be that. That was given to me when I got there 
And that's just the way it is. I, I feel like everybody made some mistakes. Whatever the play call, whoever called it right before halftime, okay, that was a mental error. By whoever it was, it was, whatever. But we had ample opportunities after that to go out and make plays. And I still say, like, Patrick Mahomes, and even with the third receiver, like, Tyreek Hill didn't really touch the ball in the second half. And what number of receiver is he? Is he one or two? He's one. Like, how many touches did he have in the second half? Like, I'm I'm just, I'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discrediting you. I'm not trying to pinpoint and say it's on one individual to say why it happened. But I'm saying this, players make plays, coaches coach. We've got to the point because Patty Mahomes was making some plays and then, like, even Sorensen. I'm not a huge fan of Sorensen. But every now and then, you look up that dude making one big time play, and then you saying, whoop, whoop, and he also giving two of them up at the I same time. I, I, I I'm, I'm not discrediting that at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But what yeah. I'm saying is, it ain't like one pinpoint thing that we can say we need to change this to, to be better. It, it, it's just not. It's just like collectively as a team, we got to find a way to gel and be playing the best football that we can play at the right time. Because in my opinion. This is my opinion. What was the difference between the Buffalo game and the game this week? Momentum. Momentum. But, but mo- explain that to me. Expound on that. Uh, when, in my opinion, I don't know what the what you five will think of this. When momentum went the against Kansas City, offensively and de- defensively, you could feel it. And in my opinion, the coaches need to step up and say, "We got to change this." Somehow, some way, uh, they needed to say they needed to get they needed to, in my opinion, run the football because Cincinnati was only sending three. The coaches had to do everything that they could to stop momentum because once the Chiefs lost momentum before halftime, it stayed that way until the end. Even when the Chiefs won the coin toss, you could feel, man. We, I'm glad we won the coin toss, but we don't have that momentum on offense. Mm. Momentum is the running game. In my opinion, what do you guys think? And Shane, even 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 to your point where I they were dropping eight, that, bro. that they were dropping eight and, and the ends, 94, 91, they were floating. They weren't even coming up pursuing. They were trying to contain and float and trying to play the pass a little bit. And I know Donnell and Kimball as running backs, I know in the huddle, y'all would have been pissed off at the play calling to know that they're dropping eight and we're not running the ball to where you guys can eat up five, six, seven yards per carry. And we were we were doing that on first down. First down, we were eating on the run game. Yep. Non-existent. We're going to be pissed off, but if, if the quarterback making a play and getting it to a receiver that's 40 yards down the field for a touchdown, me and Kim are going to be in the locker room popping the champagne bottles with everybody else. So, like, I, I get it. Like, I get it from a fan's perspective. I, I understand that. But internally as a player, like, like everybody got the same attitude. Like, okay, you threw me the ball and I dropped it. If I would have caught that one pass, the game could have been different. Like, that's just the way we look at the game. Like, coaches, coach, we got to go out there and make the plays. If we don't make the plays, it don't matter what the coach call. It don't matter. Facts, it don't matter if he facts. call a running play or dive all the way down the field. If 11 people are on the same page, that dive can go 99 yards and score. But facts. if it don't, then, like, you really can't look to the coaches and say you shouldn't have called a dive. 
drive on on third and 13. I remember one time we played the Raiders. I don't know if you remember this, Kimball. Like Jimmy Ray called Fox to run or Ford, whatever the draw was. And we backed uh-huh. up on the goal line and we looked at each other like a draw? Like, how you going to call the draw? And bro, like that thing opened like the Red Sea. <laughs> was it in 98? I wasn't fast enough to score, but I got about 40. It was about 40 yards. I got about 40. That had to be 98. That's that had to be the Sunday night game. Danelle, Danelle, I think I was at that game. Maybe, maybe so, but January, January 2000, the last game of the 1999 season. I was oh, no. section 110, row four. No. It was third and 10 or third and 11 at the one yard line. And Gerback turned and handed Danelle Bennett and he busted it for 20. Oh, <laughs> That's Great it. Play. Bro, I'm, I'm I remember. You, it was a TV timeout. I would never forget that. it was a TV timeout. <laughs> that was Gary Thomas' last game. I'm like, yeah. bro. <laughs> oh, whoever it was, and I, bro, that thing opened up like the Red Sea, bro. I, I'm not yep. lying, but like that's just the nature of the game, man. That's just the nature yep. of the game. And to yeah, your yeah, point, so- Donnell, Chris, Chris Jones, a couple of those missed sacks. I mean, interrupt Campbell. I just had to get that in there. Yeah, yeah. You, we this, there's been a propensity for that ever since Breland speaks whiffed on Tom Brady back in uh, October of 2018. It seems like this is, uh, you know, it's it's like a sack is never a sack, especially when you're talking about these guys like Josh Allen. Now, Joe Burrow seems to be kind of more of a sitting duck at times and just took nine sacks a week ago. Not as difficult to wrap up as a, as a Josh Allen. But man, it's, it just when you have those moments and you have those opportunities, you just it just it just breaks you as a defense when you don't get those uh, those those sacks. I mean, a hundred million dollars off Chris Jones and no sacks. But so with, with that said, we're talking about the overall defense, and I, I agree with you saying, Brian. Uh, I mean, like right now, you know, we got to get a rush in. You know, we got Chris Jones as a defensive tackle is leading in sacks, and that's kind of impossible to do it, it, you know, in this league. And you got nobody on the outside is giving any pressure on the outside edge. And that's, so we got to get a rush edge guy. I think we need to look at some cornerbacks, you know, obviously safety. So I think at the end of the day, it do need to be overall on defense. Because we need some playmakers on that side of the ball that's, you know, whether it's a young guy or whether it's somebody that's in, in the free agency that can come out and help us out you know, right off the bat. Yeah, and I want to talk about a little bit of the stubbornness of the coaching staff. We've talked about Andy Reid's refusal to run the ball, especially in the feel of the game. I mean, it was a few short years ago we were saying, don't run the ball. Patrick Mahomes is magic. Why ever take the ball out of his hands? But the way the season's going, you see they're dropping eight. you got to run the football. And then on the other side was Spags, great defensive coordinator. But on third down, he takes Bolton and Gay off the field, especially in this game against the Bengals where Gay's knocking down passes. He's showing that he can cover. He's covering tight ends out there, knocking the ball down out of receiver's hands, helping out Fenton. He takes them off for Sorensen and Neiman. I mean, it just seems like they're stubborn in ways. Andy Reid won't run the ball, and Spags just has an affinity, a love for Sorensen and Neiman, and it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but y'all, like, y'all funny, bro. Once they they keep you out there. And if they don't believe me, they'll get you off that field quick. That's one thing. So they have some belief that they trust them a little more than others. And that, you know, that could be just the leadership or whatever it may be. They trust I, to me, guys. That's I, why they got to be gone so Spags doesn't have the opportunity to put them on the field. To me, I, I want to look – I want to know, like, what this is. Like, what we're looking at as far as this era of Chiefs football because – you know, we go back to 2018. Patrick Mahomes comes in to start for you know the, for the first time. 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, sets the world on fire. This team is you know for the for three years now. We're talking about diminishing returns now for two years. Super Bowl championship, Super Bowl loss, AFC championship loss. 
I, I don't. I, I want to know what this is, Shane. You talked about the the Shula and and the Dolphins. Obviously, this team's won a Super Bowl. It's it's above what that what they did. It, I, but we were talking about, and unfairly so, the expectations become dynasty. That's I don't like word. It's it's it, you don't want to throw that around. But I definitely don't like it now. <laughs> right. But now I'm like, what? I don't know what this is. I don't like. I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't. I don't know what this era of Chiefs football is, other than just a wildly successful entertaining thrill ride that's one produced a championship and some amazing moments but in the end i think that we needed more out of it and it's not over but this you know the tyree kills the travis kelsey's this era this core it's gonna end before you know it's over it's like shane when degenerate whenever the undertaker and triple h and Shawn michaels walked out of wrestlemania 29 and it was called an end of an era and it was right there in front of your eyes it's gonna end before we know it's ended I don't think I don't think we're going to end yet. I think Tyree no. Kill is going to get his extension in March because that's what he's doing. He's doing a monster extension. I think you have to give him that. He's going to be 28 also uh, in three in, at the beginning of March. Right. So I think you have to give Tyree Kill that uh, what the, the money he has to yeah. because he's Patrick Mahomes' main weapon. As for is this window closing? Uh, I don't think it's closing, but I think it needs to. Uh, it needs to evolve. It needs to evolve. Well said. To, uh, it, it needs to uh, evolve to a power. They need to focus more on defense. And Brett Beach said that uh, to yesterday from one Arrowhead drive in his press conference that they want to address the defense. You know, and I come from that era with Don Allen Kimball. You know, I'm honored and humbled that I'm even on a podcast with them now. I love those guys. I got their jerseys at home upstairs in my closet. Kimball Anders signed my 38. So we need to we need to uh, make sure and press the defense and get the cornerbacks get some cornerback play. We need a Dale Carter. We need a James Hasty. We need some corners with want to and passion that want to get on the field and say, "You're not going to catch this ball. Please leave me on an island." We need to freaking address that. We need to make sure that our defense. We got a defensive overhaul, and that that's what I'm looking forward to. But I, as for this window closing. I don't know. I just hope and pray that we're still in the mix next year. We got the players to do it. Let's roll. Well said. Now you, you 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 just said something very key. I, I I think we lack leadership as a player. Like when the momentum, to your point, when the momentum started shifting, like like who was r- walking up and down that sideline, jacking people up, getting everybody fired up motivating them to say, hey, listen, we're not going to let the same thing happen to us that happened to us three weeks ago. Mm. Like, you got to go do your job and do your job to the best of your ability, and nothing else is going to be acceptable. Nothing else. That's Matthew. We don't have that one guy, that one player. Like, And and Tyron, just like you said, would be that guy, but he was hurt the last week and, and whatever. Like, we don't have that veteran leadership. Like our hmm. superstar is the youngest dude on the team. Like I, like like Kimball and I, like we had veteran leadership. Like there was yeah. no way that I was gonna go on the field and and miss a block or miss something and be able to walk over to that sideline. Like it wasn't happening. Right. I, like we were friends, but it was not happening. So like we just don't like we just do not have enough veteran leadership on that field to be able to go out and win the, and, and that's, that's, that's what it is. Like you gotta, well, 
Yeah. I, I, I don't know, bro. Accountability. What's the for the Bengals have? I mean, they're younger than us. They got Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and a young coach and Zach Taylor. We've got Andy Reid, Spags, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, and this group, even Patrick Mahomes, how young he is, their experience. They've been there in these championship games, in the Super Bowls. If you can't get enough leadership to say, let's not happen, let's not let this happen again out of this core, and the, you say the Bengals do have that, something's gone horribly wrong. Kimball and I were at the game. I agree. Did you see it, Kimball? Did you see anybody? Like going up and down the sideline, walking to get clapping their hands, saying, Come on, let's go. The momentum, I didn't see it. No. I'm not saying I saw it on the Bengals sideline either, but I know I didn't see it on our sideline. I agree with what you. What about you, I, I didn't see it either. I wanna I wanna make a quick point. Noah, you made a good point earlier about Spags putting 49 and 56 on the field on third down uh, on the third down uh, situations. I want to ask Kimball and Donnell, I want you to chime in as well. I don't understand why these coaches are so loyal to players that are clearly not better than the people that they are ahead of. And you all cannot speak on this if you want to. And that, and I will respect it. And it was totally fine, but we all knew as fans and 95, that Gannon was better than Bono. We knew that. And we knew in 97 that we had all the momentum with Rich Gannon, and they put Gerr back in. Why? And we knew at that point with Gerr back, we knew it was about the contracts, about the money, and you want to showcase him, and that's your quarterback, blase, blase. But other than that, why are the coaches so stuck to players that are clearly not better than the people that they're ahead of? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I would honestly say sometime uh... – it's about, I think it's about trust sometimes. I mean, you know, you got a guy that, that you think that, that knows the game well enough, and they'll be willing to put, put him on the field and having a younger guy coming in that may make more mistakes than that one guy. He may not be the best guy on the team for his play-wise, but you trust him in a defensive scheme, an offensive scheme, that he's going to at least be in position to make a play. And sometimes it don't happen. But I, I think that's one of the biggest things. I mean, it's just a little more political issues with that, too. I mean, it ain't just because they like you, but they got to trust you. One thing about, I mean, just talking about that, most of the time, if you don't, you don't know what you're doing on the field, they're not going to put you in the game anyway. You know what I mean? You're not going to be that guy. But So that they got to have some distortion, whatever his name, 49. He must be doing something that they, they really value of him taking the field and trusting what he do, that he's going to be 80% right or 90% right for us being where he's supposed to be, not making plays. So, I, you know, it's, so it's kind of double S4, man. On the two-point conversion, yeah. I don't know, there was this little Taylor wide receiver out there, and he went and either double chase or he thought he was going to single chase. Both yeah. horrendously wrong. We're not going to single you on Jamar Chase, and we're not going to double when no one's out there to guard this Taylor guy in the two-point conversion. He's been in the league how many years, and he's making these kind of blunders, and he's just not athletic, can't cover in the back end. I won't get it. I never will. If he's there again next year, I'm going to pull a Celtic pride. I don't know if you remember that movie. <laughs> Kidnaps the best player on the Utah Jazz. I'm going to kidnap the guy that's a liability for us. I'm kidnapping him before the playoffs, and I'm holding him in my basement. He's just playing, y'all. He's just playing. He's yeah, just this playing. is. No, I am not playing. <laughs> hey, you're just you just ha- you just hate him because he has less hair than I do. <laughs> that's one reason. Yeah, coaches him. coaches are coaches are philosophy guys. Like coaches have a philosophy, and and during that time, Marty's philosophy was you don't lose your job because of injury. 
like if you the guy that's injured, like you like you congratulating that. Okay, I can't lose my job because something happened to me that was not really my fault. So like and that that was Marty's thing. Like we understood that. We like the media that whole week, they asking us, you know, who you think gonna do it, whatever. Is Marty gonna what like we gonna say what we supposed to say in front of media, but like right. I know I kind of knew what was gonna happen because that's who Marty was. Like if you're injured and you come back and you show us you're ready to go and play and you was the starter before then, you're gonna start. Like that. But y'all see it in practice. Y'all see it but in coaches, practice. Y'all coaches see ain't, it. Coaches don't. Coaches don't live in that world that we live in. Like right. we, that's the way we are. Like this dude is better than this dude. Coach would be like, no, he fits my philosophy better than the other dude. So we gonna play this guy. That's how they look at it. And that's why I said what I said before. Coaches coach, players play. That's just. I, I, I don't know why that is. I can't answer that, but I know that's what happens. That's true. I, I, I agree. That's yeah, a tough pill to swallow, man. It is. It, it really listen, is. Listen, when it, and Kimball, and we know it, bro. We done been on that side of it. And and no no pun against Gerbog. That was our man, 50 grand. But, like, I'm sure if they would have voted and sent something secretly around the, 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 the locker room on who they thought we thought should have played as players, it, it might have not been Elvis. But the coaches, they, they're in a position not to ask us. They're going to do what they're going to do. But, like, I, you know, I, and, and I, it's our job to go out there and go play. It's not our job to, to, to coach. So we went Put Matt Blunt in there, the man. Best of our best. <laughs> yes. We would, hey, listen, if they back. would put him in, guess what we'd have did? We'd have went out there and played. Of course. Well, guys, I tell you what, it's just been it's been a good therapy session for me. I haven't. Really done a lot of talking about it, uh, this game yet. We've, you know, just sort of let, uh, I'm, I'm an internal person. I don't lash out or like do anything too crazy, but I, I internalize. So this has been like a therapy session. All of you are, are here and you've all helped me. So um, I don't know if you guys have any hourly rates or anything that I could, this is just <laughs> Light been, your candles, Clint. Light your candles, man. <laughs> Brian, I, you helped, Brian, you're the best. You've been so great uh, these last few weeks to, to come on with. Shane, I, I love, anytime we could get you, brother you're always a great voice of reason and hey. you always you look at the nfl like me like i always feel like we're kindred spirits like i always look at things from like ten thousand miles above earth you know like like i love that about you and kimball and donnell for you guys all year this has just been a complete honor and a, and a, and a privilege you guys are just amazing um everything that we've done this year from having our big group sessions with guys like Marcus Allen, Andre Risen, Von Bookers of the world. We've had so many Pete Soyanovich joined. I mean, so everything that we've done wow. has been so much fun. No, I know I speak for you as well. It's, it's been a complete blast here this year, guys. And um, I hate that it has to end here. And, but that's, that's, that's it. And can't thank you guys enough for joining us. We're going to go out here with kind of a best of a couple minutes of, uh, of, of the show. So listen, we got it. You somebody got to cue up the song. It's so hard <laughs> to say, say goodbye. I'm pouring my 40 out yeah. right now. We, we couldn't get the rights to that. Right. We couldn't. We couldn't clear the rights to that song, Donnell. Uh, we, so we had to go. With we do time. have the rights to this best of. It's a little under four minutes of uh, kind of the best of this season. It's been such a blast, an honor to have you guys on and uh, be able to do this show with you guys and. 
uh, here's this uh, best uh, four-minute offense. Thanks Thanks everybody. Watching this very and first outing. episode here uh, of four-minute offense we and Donnell. Before we get into it, you guys came up with the name four-minute offense. Why did you want this show to be called four-minute offense? How does that relate to your guys' career in Kansas City? Uh, when we get to the four-minute part of the game, you know we're gonna run the ball. They know we're gonna run it. We got to be tough, physical, hard-nosed, blocking, running, and ball security. And, that, and that's that's just stuck with us for a long time. And we, we kind of talk to each other from time to time, and we talk about that, four-minute offense. And the thing about it, anytime you're in a four-minute offense, I mean, you got a chance of winning the game. Yes, sir. <laughs> and we, Donnell, what was you, you know, how aware were you of what was going on in Kansas City? Did you even know where Kansas City was, by the way? Well, at first, you know, you know me. I was like, and all my friends was like, I'm going with Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz and all that. And I, once I got there, I learned that that was the wrong state. But anyway. Um, <laughs> do you guys I, miss yeah. River Falls, Wisconsin at all? Do you guys want to get back up there, do some two-a-days? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Not at all. Y'all appreciate this. I don't know if y'all knew this. Tim, Timmy, uh, uh, I don't know if Tim Grunhardt remembers, but. So I took the ball and I went right inside on Joe and I got like three yards on the play, but the play was designed to go further outside, outside of the tackle. So we went three and out and we go into the sideline and what was our offensive coordinator's name then? What was his name? Paul, Paul Hackett. Paul, ha Paul Hackett was hollering from the sideline like, Greg Hill, where the hell you going? Where the hell you running at? Right? And so I'm about to answer him and, and Joe Money answered the question first. He said, man, shut the hell up and stand on the sideline and call the plays. He went where he was supposed to go. And so uh, I was like, oh, man, Joe Montana just stood up for me. I was pretty good, right? We get to the sideline, and I'm drinking some water, and Joe come over to me. He said, hey, man, if you don't get your fucking ass in that damn playbook, I don't know what else I got to tell you, man. I can't keep doing this for you. Like, that's what he really said. I'll say this. I'll say this. I feel better now with this group as we're vetting out these old emotions. This is like a therapy group. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm able to join. State place. Did I not tell you this is what this is, Dave? This is our therapy group. <laughs> today, tonight it is for me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> this is Noah Groniger alongside Clint Schweitzer. Our guy Donnell Bennett is here, and we have a very special guest. You see it right there. You may know him as Bad Moon. You may know him as Spider-Man. That is Andre Risen. Welcome to the show. What's uh, up? We've got a question here that came in, National Scouting, from our YouTube page. Andre Risen. Andre, out of the three of you on this set right now, uh, I think he's talking about Donnell and Kimball, not me and Clint. <laughs> Who had the better hands? And do you think I mean, <laughs> Kimball should have been considered for the Hall of Fame or Chiefs Ring of Fame? Nah, hey, who, 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 would ask, who would ask that question? Hey, that's Kimble <laughs> hands down. I see Kimble kissing. I say Kimble too. Swing passes wow. behind him. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Get, I, get, I get out with the Kimble. Now, if the pass is coming in front of you and you're facing the ball, um, I might have to get out with to myself. I might have to get out with Peter Parker. <laughs> I might have to get out with Peter Parker. Yeah, now, you I just noticed we were always careful when we threw screens to Donnell. It was just <laughs> It was, it was bro, my, I had good hands, bro. <laughs> and that was T. Rich, bro. We never about T. Rich. T. Rich, bro. We didn't even throw any to T. Rich. <laughs> and there you have it. That's our best of four-minute offense. And we thank everybody for watching. 
all season long. Kimball, Donnell, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you guys all season. And uh, hopefully we can do something again next year, my friends. Definitely. Brian, Thanks, thank guys. you so much for being with us uh, these last few weeks. It's, it's been a blast, buddy. It has. Nah, yeah, man, yeah. thank you all for having me on. I would love to ask Andre Rising, why the hell did he go to the Raiders after he left the Chiefs? But I'll say that for <laughs> another day. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him on again. We're in talk, so we'll have him on and we'll get you to ask that question. So. Thank you, everybody. This is 4-Minute Offense. Noah Groniger, Clint Schweitzer. Shane Williams has already left us. Brian B. Shining, Kimball Anders, Donnell Bennett, the stars of the show. We'll see you in 2022.